0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, welcome on into the Rooted Podcast, brought to you by our great friends over at Green Bros, home of the world's leading harvesting solutions for the hemp and cannabis space. Tim Strommel coming to you from our Rooted Production Studio out here in beautiful Denver, Colorado. Welcome on into 2020. We hope the new year is treating you well and you have big plans for yourself this year. I know we have some big plans that we're excited to share with you. We're pumped to be back at it. We had a nice long holiday break. I hope you had one as well. And we've got some awesome shows already lined up for you. Going to get into our first one in just a second. But before I do, do us a quick solid and let us know that you love us because we love you. And subscribe to the show. Maybe leave us a nice review if you feel so inclined so we can continue to blossom into the beautiful flower that we know we are what kind of flower i have no idea are we a rose are we a dandelion are we a cannabis plant it's too soon to tell no one knows we're still in the budding stages i guess anyways we're going to kick things off here in 2020 with an awesome transition between our last podcast which was MJ Biz 2019 live uh, and this first podcast in 2020, as we're about to welcome back in Lance Lambert, Director of Business Development for Bovida, the global leaders in two-way humidity control. If you haven't checked them out, go check out bovidainc.com. Really cool stuff these guys do. And it goes all the way from consumer level products uh, to your mass products that would go into uh, cultivation facilities and stuff like that. So they've got a lot going on and definitely a company that I support. Uh, they, they do things the right way. Uh, and one that you should definitely go check out now. Uh, I have had the pleasure of speaking with Lance a handful of times. This guy is an encyclopedia of cannabis and hemp industry information. He speaks at conferences all over the world on a number of topics. This is not the first time and not the last time we're going to have him on the show because, uh, he's a guy that really just puts his opinion out there. It's always a quality, well thought out, well researched opinion. So something that we like to support and endorse and share out in this industry, Lance is also a passionate advocate of medical cannabis. Having survived his own medical. So we want to share his story with you uh, as part of our anecdotal series. Uh, In case you haven't tuned into our anecdotal series before, it's us interviewing medical cannabis patients who want to share their stories in an effort to share that, you know, even though it's anecdotal evidence, these stories could possibly help people out there going through similar ailments or people who know someone going through a similar ailment. Uh, So we just want to spread the education, spread the information and let you know that this stuff is happening. If you have issues in your life, you're not the only one. Medical cannabis could be an option for you. So go ahead and educate yourself. Listen to some of these interviews and what these people are going through uh, and see if it is right for you or someone you know in your life. Uh, we're gonna ask Lance about his background, his experience with medical cannabis, and how it's propelled his journey through the cannabis sector and guided him on his current mission. But before we do, we want to send a quick shout out to our awesome sponsors over at Greenbros, home of the world's premier dry harvesting solutions for the hemp and cannabis space. From small-scale cultivations all the way up to the biggest commercial grows in the world, Greenbros dry trimmers, trichome extractors, destemmers, sorters, precision batchers, the box—all these machines want to save you time, money, and labor while maintaining the beautiful quality for which your cultivation is known. Check out greenbros.com or call 844-DRY-TRIM to learn how you can add these awesome machines to your harvest process. That's 844 379 87 Okay, without any further ado, let's welcome on in Lance Lambert, again, the Director of Business Development for Boveda. You can check them out at bovedainc.com, the global leader in two-way humidity control. Lance, welcome on into the show, man. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Thanks so much. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. No problem, man. I I know right away you're a a serious XM radio star on shows all the time. So thanks for taking the time to do this podcast, man. Where else can people uh, listen in and, and hear you talking about the cannabis space?
1: Uh, You know, that's really the primary outlet, thank goodness, having that opportunity to do what we call the cannabis catch-up every week uh, on SiriusXM on the Todd Shapiro Show. Uh, But thankfully, I do get to go out on the road as well. So oftentimes do speaking opportunities uh, at trade shows and events. Uh, The next one I'll be doing is in Las Vegas at TPE. I'll actually be, I'm I'm excited to share, I'll I'll be a moderator for a first-ever cannabis uh, uh, panel that will be talking and speaking in front of the tobacco industry., um, so it's a bit of a crossover because that industry is realizing that um, there's opportunity over here and a lot of people are segueing to a healthier solution uh, from tobacco consumption. So um, so I'll be the next one, but uh, yeah, gonna be speaking in Australia. Uh, right around 420 at uh, an event down there, uh, and then uh, a couple other events in between. So Now, what
0: do you tend to speak on when you go out to these conferences? What, what are people asking you to talk about?
1: That's a great question. So based on my background, both uh, in mainstream media and in previous to getting into the campus industry, and as well as being in the canvas industry now, some of the things I talk on are the uh, state of the international Uh, space with respect to the cannabis industry. Uh, Also speak on uh, media and the challenges that uh, exist around this industry and being able to get companies messaging out no matter what aspect of the industry you're tied to. And then the third would just be the quality and consistency of cannabis, which very much ties uh, into something close to home, which is uh, myself being a medical advocate and making sure that that quality is consistent from cure to consumption.
0: Now to get into that medical advocacy, could you tell me about your history? Growing up, were you a cannabis kid or was it later in life you (laughs) discovered it and became a medical patient? Kind of give me that background.
1: That's a great question. That's something that I didn't talk about too much until a phenomenal interview I had uh, with a, a company out of Northern California that had noticed that I grew up in Marin County and uh, they're based, it's called Nice Guys Delivery. Great guys, do a little plug. Uh, and they said, You know, you grew up here in Marin County, right next to where the Waldos grew up, which those that don't know, or the or the uh, the group behind 420, in that whole movement back in the 70s, and so they wanted me to come on and speak, and that was the first time that I really got into talking about uh, my childhood, because everyone always talks about your career. Okay, how long have you been in the industry? What have you been tied to, et cetera? So yeah, truth be told, I, I grew up amongst the hippies of Northern California uh, in Marin County. For those that don't know, that is a county just north of what we call the gate or Mm -hmm. or the Golden Gate Bridge. So it's around the other side of of the bay from San Francisco. Um, But that's where San Rafael, San Anselmo, Sausalito, a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, So growing up there, it was uh, the, the late 70s, early 80s. So that Segway, of um more of the yuppie less of the hippie but there was still very much that presence so i appreciated growing up around it uh, used to kind of joke a little bit because they kind of smelled funny with their patchouli oil and eating 11 grain bread and drinking stuff called kombucha i mean all these things that are so quote-unquote hipster now uh that were actually kind of the end thing back then with that crowd uh, getting into high school uh, like most and again i think the geographical location was a big factor in uh, in me being, you know, experimenting like others did, I'll just say, in the cannabis space, and so, um, yeah, definitely tried it a little bit early on, and uh, something I haven't shared too much, but it actually helped me go off to college, so uh, I was tied to the legacy industry, or the uh, free market, as some people called it. And um, if not for Canvas, I couldn't have been able to afford to go off to college and and ironically study criminal justice. Uh, So it's been a part of my life for some time. Now, obviously studying that major, uh, it did exit my life for several years. And uh, in the back of my mind, even though that wasn't a path I took, um, I always knew that something I could possibly fall back onto was getting into law enforcement because I love helping people. So it was more so like working for county sheriffs uh, on the juvenile side or, um, you know, working as a, as a, you know, public speaker for uh, CHP. Those were the kind of opportunities I was looking for in that industry. It wasn't so much putting away the bad guys and such. Um, but then, you know, the opportunity came to work in the legal space, uh, actually out by you in Denver, Colorado, with the advent of the cannabis back in 2014 and uh, that's when my my career shifted uh but it was so weird getting back into something that i was so familiar with in my younger years
0: now you mentioned the waldos a second ago there's so much debate on on where the 420 uh moniker comes from is that the definitive story for you when people ask you where that the the 420 number comes from in relationship to being a stoner
1: it, it is a hundred percent. It's something I can validate knowing, um, knowing those individuals, actually knowing one of their daughters very well. She's closer to my age. I won't lie. Those, those guys graduated before I was even born. Um, <laughs> uh, but it is interesting, it is where it comes from. The, the, the one fact though that a lot of people don't know is the Waldo's technically references another group other than the four individuals, uh, that were constantly going on that mission to find this lost crop, uh, out on the coast. So, uh, you know it's been so instilled and it's been referenced so many times from Wikipedia to to references on their ties to the Grateful Dead Uh, but yeah I've definitely done some fact finding and, and have confirmed it uh, with individuals that are a little, I'm um, maybe a little bit closer to than the mainstream individuals. So well, that's
0: good enough for me. I can say in my <laughs> couple of times speaking with you on podcast, uh, you're one of the most uh, educated on this industry people that I've come across. So uh, thank you. You also mentioned growing up in Marin. I grew up in Santa Clara, so Bay Area guys. Oh my gosh. So that's yes, why we yes. instantly get along. I feel. Oh yeah. Uh, are you a 49er fan? Is there a Super Bowl party coming your way or what?
1: <laughs> you know, I I digress from. Being fans of most mainstream sports, yeah, I still follow a little bit of GP and Formula One, some more of the international. But uh, deep down inside, I still still have a love for the 49ers. You'll respect this. Uh, I was a bigger fan back in the Montana and Young days. Uh, but man, they've got a great team. They I, really finally—it's—it's a—it's a day of reckoning, right? <laughs> I, I
0: tell you what—I just got my Steve Young jersey out of the crawl space, oh and I'll my be gosh. wearing it on Super Bowl day. Yeah, that's right. I have a Steve Young jersey. I have a, a Jerry Rice jersey from when I was oh like my gosh. eight. That does not fit anymore. Uh, but the Steve Young jersey fits, so I'll be wearing number eight. Uh, come Super Bowl Sunday. Now, uh, you you mentioned going to college, you study criminal justice, which is an outlier to anyone that's in the cannabis industry now, I would think. I mean, I've heard of people crossing over in careers and stuff like that. Uh, But when you leave, you join the cannabis. That's not your medical story. So how does the medical side tie into your history?
1: Yeah, the medical side really specifically ties into myself being a cancer survivor. Uh, You know, I, I Came across an anomaly. I was having this uncomfortable pain back in 2000. Uh, went and saw not one but four doctors, which was quite interesting. And, and they couldn't find anything. You know, went through all the regular tests, the blood work, MRIs, etc., and uh, there just there, there wasn't anything there. Uh, fast forward to 2003, where unfortunately uh, lost my father in March to pulmonary fibrosis. So I was, I was focusing on that because they gave him two years, and that's about that's about how long he was he was able to be with us. Um, but after getting through all of that, I knew that there was still something there. I was still having the pain and the problem. Went into a doctor, and uh, it was interesting. Went to see a urologist, uh, the specialist for the cancer I had, uh, same as Lance Armstrong. So and it was about the same time, and he said, "You know, uh, you're the first, you're the first patient to visit me that showed me pre and post images of where there's." obviously an anomaly (laughs) and I said well what does that mean is it like Lance Armstrong where it's starting in my groin coming up through my lung like am I he's like no 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 he's I think we're still you're still in a good place Um, what happened is probably those uh, those cells started uh, forming on a nervous uh, you know on some sort of nerve that that obviously triggered into your nervous system you're feeling the pain he's all but don't get me wrong we're going to take you in for surgery next week (laughs) so so that was my background and after that you know a lot of people say that was the number one question was, did you change your outlook on life? And I didn't. I've always lived life to the fullest. I've always been uh, an optimistic individual, a happy-go-lucky guy. I mean, I was a class clown when I was younger. So always like getting along with everyone and, and making everyone smile. Uh, that didn't change, but it did change my ideology and perspective on Western medicine. I appreciate it being in there for me. But when you go through a cancer that is not hereditary, that they have confirmed uh, is somehow established by an environmental situation, where it rather be blunt force trauma due to playing sports or um, just some sort of anomaly in what you consume, what your intake is. Um, either way, I said, you know, I need to change this. So um, I'd already cut out soda at that time, but starting to cut out uh, red meat and starting to cut out things that, again, are less healthy, not depending on... Uh, synthesized or prepackaged vitamins actually going to the source of vitamins and nutrients. So incorporating natural things like echinacea and turmeric and and ginger in all these things that have health attributes. Cannabis being one of those, right? I mean, we're constantly, and again, Tim, you've heard me geek out a little bit (laughs) that uh, there's so many attributes. We've talked about CBN, which is the oxidized iteration of THC, that is phenomenal for helping with sleep. I mean, it will, when that Uh, when that comes into fruition, when the industry and when mainstream even more so learns and understands CBN better, I have a feeling that Halcyon and Ambient both are going to have a wake-up call because people are going to want this natural solution, this natural remedy, Uh, but the same is the case for CBG. CBG is a great example of something that I use to replace uh, ibuprofen and Tylenol. I I learned about the studies in ibuprofen and how that uh, does so much damage to our system where CBG, again, is all natural. We have an endocannabinoid system, so that's how I really started incorporating cannabis, uh, again, as a health attribute um, from a homeopathic and Eastern medicine standpoint.
0: So you talk about 2000 is when you, between 2000 and 2003 is when you really deal with this uh, medical healing, right, to where you're feeling better. Uh, At what point did you decide to bring cannabis in? Was it when you came out to Denver in 2014? Uh, I, I imagine, you know, in the early 2000s in the Bay Area, even Marin County, it wasn't like everywhere you know what I mean The science wasn't everywhere
1: no No, you're spot-on and and, you know this you know technically uh, cannabis as far as being used from a medical standpoint was first legalized in San Francisco in 1990 with Prop P Uh, later on that's what morphed into thanks to Brownie Mary and I mean there's a whole movement that we get into but long story short you know we voted on it and it came into fruition uh, for uh, medical legalization in 1996 with Prop 215 but you're right. You're spot on. Really, when we legalized it, there a lot of people think of legalization of cannabis from a medical standpoint as a Trojan horse to allow people who are on the illicit side or purely consume it recreationally as that loophole for those to be able to consume legally. That was not what is originally intended for, especially in California. It was for AIDS patients, for HIV, uh, for cancer survivors that were having side effects from uh, going through chemo. So that was the original intent. It really didn't morph into kind of being a wild west and in, in people who didn't necessarily need it, you know, like the movie Friday jokes around, oh, you better have glaucoma. Oh, I do. <laughs> you, you, those kind of things. That didn't happen until the mid 2000s, really. And, but having said that, even then, to your point, no, your mainstream medical doctor uh, was not in support of it. They did not bring it up as a solution, they did not bring it up as an alternative. Uh, so it was kind of a challenge. So with that, and in the back of my mind, as mentioned, I still had those little hopes and dreams as always being able to possibly fall back onto law enforcement. So it wasn't until moving to Colorado, and it was really some of these stories we were covering, and, and you'll remember this because you've been out there for a minute. Uh, you know When we started having these families, especially those on the lower income that were selling everything they had to move to Colorado, so as to be able to get the medicine for their children that had grand mal seizures, epileptic seizures. Uh, I mean, these we started covering these stories Uh, via the cannabis, and I was just so taken aback at how much this plant really has to offer and how much it changes and saves lives. Uh, So that's when I started considering it. Here's the unfortunate thing, though. The company that owned the cannabis uh, was a, quote-unquote, drug-free environment. So although we were the first mainstream news media outlet to establish a program like the cannabis, uh, we weren't allowed per our our rule book to be able to consume. Uh, so it really wasn't until I moved home to California. I was I was dabbling in C B D, but it wasn't until I moved back to California uh, to head up media operations for a tech company called Weed Maps, um, where they had these, they had these uh, you know, these these consumption lounges that if you had a medical card, then then you could legally go into this and and medicate. And I was so taken aback by a company that had such forward thinking versus what I had just left back in Colorado, in the irony again. I was leaving a state where not only medical, but adult use, they had both legalized as of January 1st, 2014. You had a full legalized environment, working for a company that still wouldn't allow it, then coming back to California, and then being open about the consumption. So that's when I did move forward. And when I came out of the proverbial green closet, as I say, I started really becoming a medical advocate uh, in its interesting; we're about the same age. You know, these Gen Xers, i have friends that still will only direct message me and they won't public on a public forum rather be instagram twitter facebook linkedin um they don't show their support or they don't leave their comments and it's not that they don't support what i'm doing or, or don't support the legalization it's because of that stigma that's still associated with the plant to where oh you know what my boss is on my facebook or my superior or my my you know my colleagues are on my social media handles. I don't want to engage because they might think all of a sudden that it's guilt by association, that I'm involved with it as well, and I'm a government employee or I'm under contract or whatever. I totally respect that, but it's unfortunate that we're at that to where people can't still comfortably share at least their opinion of the the plant and legalization thereof.
0: As someone who travels both throughout the US and internationally with Bovida as the Director of Business Development, uh, obviously this podcast, uh, the sub-podcast called Anecdotal, we're talking about the difference between mainstream medical evidence that can be proven by peer-reviewed study to which there are an abundant amount of resources surrounding the cannabis plant, but still a lot of people consider the the evidence surrounding medical use to be mostly anecdotal. and. and a lot of the evidence that's shared is successful uh, consumers sharing their story and stuff like that. But as you go internationally and as you go around the U.S. for years and years, are you noticing when you talk to people about the medical side of the plant that that conversation is shifting towards more of a, a I guess, an accepted viewpoint rather than just people like you're right trying to be, you know, legal drug dealers.
1: Yeah, 100%. That's something that. Uh... You know, honestly, it's been more so a challenge in North America, Uh, I'd say specifically the U.S. and Canada, but that's where there was so much influence, thanks to an individual named Daryl Gates that happened into law enforcement. That was not his goal going to college. That was not his aspirations. But this individual subsequently developed a program called DARE, and Mm -hmm. that took off in L.A., along with the support from Nancy Reagan, uh, because it was during Reagan's commission in the early 80s. And it really, they created a stigma that's been so hard to uh, to unravel, right? And and not to give all credit to them, we know the Nixon era where they really utilized cannabis as a segregation tool, and not only against the Hispanic but against the Black and Asian communities as well. This was uh, a, really a device they used uh, to suppress. Um, the voting and the input of the minorities in the U.S. at that time during Nixon's era. And not to say, I mean, Nixon created the FDA. Nixon ended um, the the draft. I mean, there are a few good things he did, but that was one bad thing uh, that I definitely blame his era on. And even all the way back to reefer madness, right? Back in the turn of, just post-turn century, where um, all of a sudden, again, it was uh, racially driven. So we have some stigmas we deal with here that I don't necessarily come across in other parts of the world. And I'll give you an example. Uh, they have an event called Cannafest out in Prague in the Czech Republic. And during this event, which is very tactful, very tasteful, in my opinion, very professional, they actually had uh, an on-site daycare So families that did want to come that didn't have someone else to take care of their child, they had this designated daycare where the children could be there uh, or even go into events like – Mardi Gras, which is a protestable in uh, the bush of Australia in Nimbin, about 45 minutes from the Gold Coast. You see it more acceptable for a family to be there. And it's odd for me, right? I go to these <laughs> events and people are walking around with their kids, but it's a it's a responsibility that those parents take on and an ownership those parents take on. And then also I have to back up and go, wait, they didn't grow up with the D.A.R.E. program. They didn't grow up with the belief that cannabis was just as bad as opioids or methamphetamine or cocaine or heroin or fill-in-the-blank, PCP, et cetera. So having said that, though, going back to domestic, We've talked about this. I've had some great conversations with everyone from Uber, Uber drivers to flight attendants, to, you know, anyone I come in contact with in my travels. And I never push it on anybody, nor do I push my beliefs, but they ask why I'm in town. I tell them for the convention. They ask what kind of convention, and I tell them. I even tell the Border Patrol when they ask me <laughs> when I go to Canada or to Europe. And that does spark a conversation because when you have that one-on-one platform people do feel a lot more comfortable and their true opinion comes out And the ambiguity in a conversation with this with a stranger ironically is almost a better setting right because people tell me the truth. They say, you know what, it, it helped me sleep when I was having issues when I was younger, or you know, it really helped me focus. I'm, I'm a fan of sativa, it helped me focus when I was preparing for my tests and the right dosage, or um, my grandmother has been using it because she's been having side effects from Western medicine. I mean, all these great conversations come out. Those were not the same conversations three, four, five years ago. Again, it goes back to people saying, oh, yeah, no, this is just an excuse. This is just for people that want to get high. No, there's more to it. And to your point, there is a lot, a lot of supporting evidence. One of the most phenomenally advanced markets when it comes to medical and scientific study around cannabis is Israel, believe it or not. And people wouldn't think that. That's the only democratic country in the Middle East. And here, uh, their are cannabinoid studies. Uh, their terpene studies are leaps and bounds ahead of any other market in the world. Um, and, and there are some studies I can share with you. There's a website that has documentation of all studies, uh, both private and the few public dating back to 1970, believe it or not. So there's a lot of supporting documents around Alzheimer's, PTSD, um, you know, obviously some of the things I discuss like sleep apnea or food disorder, eating disorders, et cetera, that exist there
0: again we're talking with lance lambert uh, Bovida's director of business development they are the global leader in two-way humidity control you can check them out Bovada dot excuse me bovidainc.com. go ahead and scroll down click on that link in the description of the podcast below uh so lance just a couple more minutes with you i do want to talk about Bovida a little bit because that's one of the reasons i got you on the show uh, <laughs> yeah. but you talk about working for the cannabis for weed maps com news site um what made you end up coming to Bovida? i, I I mean, I know that their approach to the medical market and treating this plant as actual medicine is something that you closely identify with, right?
1: That's 100%. That's one thing when I came on, I had several opportunities at my foot, at my feet when I left uh, Weedmaps, Bovida being one of them. One thing that attracted me to this company is that they did look at it uh, first and foremost as a medical uh, solution. And even to the reference that we use, my title recently changed but we refer to the division that focuses on cannabis as the herbal division and to me that is something that more so pays uh, homage to its association from an eastern medicine or homeopathic solution uh to your point a lot of it still being referenced as anecdotal but we'll get to that next level at some point so i really liked how they were fans of it i think the industry kind of misunderstood them that was another point where i wanted to get involved because Many people do recognize the brand coming from over 20 years at, the, at that time, over 20 years in the cigar industry. Uh, they're in the music, you know, being tied to the music industry with Taylor and, and some other guitar manufacturers, um, even helping NASA get product to space that needed to maintain proper relative humidity. Uh, so a lot of people looked at them as outsiders, but uh, Bovida I saw as having, as a company, having that heart and those core values that really did say no. They were here to support, and they did believe in maintaining the quality, consistency, and the safety of cannabis. That's one thing that attracts me. Honestly, you know, our, our friends at Greenbros, you know, they have a device that helps make sure that all cannabis is sterile and free from any microbials or mold. You, you know, Greenbros partnered with the inventor of that machine that he saw an attraction to making a difference in this industry because of an individual that unfortunately, uh, was, I believe in hospice or at least he was in stage four and final stages, uh, from a health perspective, he was using cannabis to help with the side effects of what he was going through. Unfortunately, he was exposed to cannabis that was not safe that, that had mold, which ended up in, um, you know, obviously pneumonia and the pneumonia ended up unfortunately in, in him passing away. Um, Green Bros said, yes, there, there does need to be a solution in this industry to make sure that the cannabis is safe. That's the same perspective that Bovada has as far as we have a solution that maintains the quality and consistency of this bud. Because it can get into what we call the danger zone. Anything over a 65% RH, that's when the microbials can pop off. That's when the mold can form. And of course they're they're there dormant, they're everywhere, they're in everything. But when you create that perfect environment, that's when it can be compromised. And obviously again, for those medical patients that have weakened immune systems, that can be a potential for loss of life. And that's the last thing anyone wants with this plant.
0: Lance, for those who haven't heard of Bovida, could you tell me what it is, what the product is and how they would use it? So they have a little context to what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, definitely. So Bovida is the modern day technology That used to be solved with hacks Uh, and not to geek out too much. I an old school canvas guy, but, you know, we used to do tricks like uh, orange rinds or moist paper towels, uh, lettuce, Uh, some of the larger growers that were using tortillas, believe it or not. And all of this was used to maintain the proper relative humidity so that 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 product was just in its perfect state. You want the bud to be a bit squishy. You want a bit of that relative humidity because it protects the terpenes, right? Which that's where all the magic exists really within the plant, in my opinion. So bovida really took, uh, essentially harnessing mother nature. We utilize salt, which of course is all natural along with purified water and xanthan gum as an agent to keep it all bound. So nothing is really proprietary inside this little sachet that is a bovida pack our technology is in a membrane that only allows osmosis. So it only allows that moisture in and out of this vapor barrier. So the salt stays in, the terpenes stay out, but the fact that it's two way. So that's a nice thing about salt, like table salt, the RH is 72%. So that's why people put rice in it because rice will attract the moisture before the salt. So the salt doesn't clump up. We're using that same technology in this instance. But again, the fact that it doesn't allow it to get over that threshold. And we've done some testing. We did side-by-side. I can share it to Tim. It's awesome. Where <laughs> we took an orange rind. We took a lettuce piece. We took a moist paper towel, and we took a bovada. Even something like orange, which my my R&D team thought would be cute to ask me, and they're like, oh, what do you think the percentage of moisture is in an orange rind? And I'm like, oh, not like." factoring the essential oils and the actual bound water. I'm all 60, 65%. They're like, no, over 95%. I'm like, are you serious? Orange rinds are up there with lettuce and celery. And they're like, yep. And then they showed me the image of how mold had formed on that orange within three days of being stored in a sealed container with flour. I was like, that's, that's what makes us so, so really. I use the analogy of why take your clothes down to the river when you have a washing machine in your garage, like the technology is there. Don't risk not being able to get the end result you want with these hacks that people have used in decades past. That's where this technology really is a solve.
0: And I got to mention before we get out of here, the terpene shield. Okay. Yes. Uh, Boveda. I mean, I guess, tell me about it. Cause I have it. I have it in my notes, but I know you'll explain it better than me. And I thought yeah. this was
1: super cool. Yeah, something a few of us were discussing. So we have some hardcore, I'm a can of sewer myself, some call me a can of snob, but there are some individuals that felt that when they use Boveda, all of a sudden it changed the smell of their stash or changed the smell of their product. And it did, but what they didn't understand is that terpenes, which again, a lot of the magic is there, right? That's, that's where you, you really need the terpenes in order to create that, that sincere entourage effect with mm-hmm. the cannabinoids in the plant. But what people thought, which is understandable, is, oh, well, the, the terpenes must be getting pulled away from the bovida. It's like, no, actually, bovida creates this monolayer, as we call it, this single layer of moisture over the bud to preserve that. Because the fact is, terpenes are hydrocarbons, and they're highly volatile. So if you're smelling, which is great, it's great to smell the tangy cushions, it's great to smell the wedding cake, it's great to smell the sour diesel or the hazes. But if you're smelling it, that means that those volatile terpenes are evaporating out of that environment so you're losing the quality so we really are a terpene shield that keeps that those terpenes where they belong with the biomass or with the bud
0: oh man that is super interesting and i know we'll hear more about that coming out uh now i do have more questions but i think this is a great point i think i want to get you lined up in like a month or so we're gonna like make this a routine podcast i swear that would be
1: excellent i'd love it
0: i wrote down like five or six other questions that i just don't have time for and they'll take us on all sorts of tangents uh so i'm not gonna sit and make you go through that okay all good all right, Lance Lambert, Director of Business Development for Bovida. Again, bovidainc.com. Scroll down, click on the link. You can check them out. They're the Global Leader in Two Way Humidity Control. If you haven't heard of them before, they're all over the cannabis space. Uh from cultivators that use them, a ton of end users use them. If you haven't heard of them, just check out their website, try their product, and you'll understand why. Like I said, they are the global leader in two-way humidity control. Lance, thank you so much, man, and we'll do it again soon, okay? Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again, Tim. Again, his name is Lance Lambert of Bovida. He's the Director of Business Development over there. You can check them out, bovidainc.com. They are the global leaders in two-way humidity control. That's going to do it for us on the podcast this afternoon. Big thanks to Lance for joining us and reminding you, Go ahead and stay tuned. Our next podcast is a good one. I'm not gonna tell you who's on it yet. Uh, We're gonna put some information out, so stay tuned, uh, and we'll have that interview for you in the next week or so. But that's gonna do it for us on the show. Don't forget to check out stayrooted.com for your latest shows and show information. You can also check out at stayrooted. That's R-O-O-T-D. We took the E out because we're too cool for that. Uh, And everyone seems to be doing it, Uh, but go ahead and check us out at stay rooted all over social media. Okay. Tim Straubel reminding you one more time, as I always do to work hard to be humble and stay rooted. See you next week, everybody.